Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominance of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. We're back. It's college football season. It's still August. So we've got a, a couple of weeks to go as we record this on Thursday, August 18th. But there's still tons of stuff going on with Georgia Southern just this afternoon. Uh, they were talking about getting Irk Russell into the College Football Hall of Fame. I'm sure they've been talking about that since Irk was coaching and and uh, very much alive and certainly in the years since. But there's been a new push with the uh, 40th anniversary of the first uh, season of college modern era college football at Georgia Southern. Back in 82, and I'm feeling old. Uh, Danny's not that old. Uh, Danny Reed is here. Danny Reed is the voice of the Eagles. Danny, welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure to have you. Thanks for coming back. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Good to be with you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you're staying out of the rain, I hope. The, the, uh, as good as you can this time of the year up here, you know that. Yeah, the uh, the, the view behind you is uh, not moving. It's a still photo with no rain involved and a pretty good-sized crowd, it looks like. This is actually what it's going to look like opening night against Morgan State on September 3rd. I've been able to see into the future. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you to see into the future. That's a good segue. <laughs> um, we're going to talk a little bit about the past. Uh, and uh, Georgia Southern fans out there, this is a place to be because Georgia Southern Extra, we're going to come back every week. Uh, we're going to preview the season today, talk about last season, talk about uh, what Danny has seen so far. Danny is very prescient. It was Danny Reed who at practice one day said, this, this fall, watch for Marcus Sanders Jr. That's a fr true freshman wide receiver out of Macon County High School in, in uh, Montezuma. And uh, Danny said, watch for this kid. And guess what? Uh, we watched him run all 54 yards into the end zone with the, the biggest play of the first scrimmage. So, Danny, what are you predicting for this scrimmage? Uh, by the time this airs uh, or is available on, on uh, various podcast platforms, what are you predicting for the second scrimmage other than extremely hot weather and a uh, and, uh, heavy downpour of sand gnats. What are you, uh, what are you predicting as a player to watch? Don't say Kyle Ventries. That's, a, <laughs> that's not very much out on a limb. Well, one, I would say that the Eagles are going to win the scrimmage, whether it's blue or whether <laughs> it's white. And I know that they're pretty psyched up to be down there on Saturday and to also have a little Eagles clinic to outreach more to that area because it is so important to what this program is and what it's going to become. It's more the first home at Georgia Southern was Memorial Stadium right around four right. decades ago. But if I were to pick out somebody to shine on Saturday, I'm going to stay with another freshman. This is somebody that scored last Saturday, O.J. Arnold, the mm -hmm. running back out of Brooks County, won a state championship last year when he went for over 300 yards. Of all the running backs in that room, I think he might be the quickest. He also does well out of the backfield. He was going by Omari Arnold, but I think they looked at – Omari Arnold and Omari Jones, that might get a little bit confusing. So they oh. decided that OJ was the best way to go. I, I've watched him in drills. I think he runs with great quickness. I think he understands how this offense works for somebody that hasn't been here all that long. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to go out and run for five touchdowns on September 3rd. But I do think that as he gets more and more comfortable, he's somebody that's going to earn more and more reps alongside guys like Gerald Green and Jalen White who have established themselves the last mm. couple of years. Is a skill position like running back really is an opportunity for a freshman, barring, I um, mean, obviously Jalen White's uh, bided, or paid his dues. He's a true junior. He's uh, followed the path of 
used more and more every season. Uh, Gerald Green uh, almost had a necessity, had some uh, had to get into the lineup early on and, and had some breakthrough game, games. He's a redshirt junior. Is there an opportunity for a true freshman like Terrence Gibbs, a four-star recruit, and uh, Amari Arnold, now O.J. Arnold, um, who uh, who's a, a, a local hero, Georgia hero from the state playoffs, is there an opportunity for them to really get some serious playing time? Yeah, I would think that Arnold would be much more likely than Gibbs, and that's not where I assess their ability. You've got Gibbs still coming back from the knee injury that cost him a lot of his a lot of the end of his career down in Florida. Remember, he was a one-time commit to Florida, but then when the staff change happened, when Billy Napier was hired, they opted to not keep that scholarship extended. So he reopened his recruitment, and Georgia Southern gets a four-star guy, one of the top recruits, not just in program history, but in the history of the Sunbelt Conference. I think he's still working his way back. He has been non-contact during fall camp. And as far as his readiness for the season, I think that that's almost a week by week thing. I wouldn't even say day by day, because when you're running back and you're talking about your knees, that's one that's got to be handled with extreme delicacy. I do think that once he gets healthy, he's going to be involved, but I would look for a two headed monster, at least at the outset between green and white. And also somebody that's impressed has been Tyler Jordan, the grad, the mm-hmm. transfer out of Georgia military. He got, he's got some nice quickness, but he runs with some physicality. And I think somebody that could certainly earn some time. AJ Brown is a former walk on who's been with this program for three years out of Harlem. He opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID. But since coming back, he continues to tear it up on scout team. And I think he's one of those guys that's just waiting for his chance. Mm-hmm. With all that depth, it's hard to crack into the lineup. But somebody that if he keeps playing the way that he is, it shouldn't be a surprise if he gets more and more reps as the season gets going. So uh, there's excitement just with the, the depth of talent at uh, running back. And we could spend literally an hour talking about all the quarterbacks, especially if you want to mention them all by name. Uh, so We've got a, and you you, uh, you were with the program for years, but last year was different uh, in that the the I think the way I viewed and a lot of people viewed the the quarterback situation going into last season was very unsettled in the sense that it was Justin Tomlin's job to lose. They had a, a transfer from Georgia Tech, a Power Five Division One guy uh, who was supposed to maybe compete for that. That didn't happen, so Justin Tomlin um, suspended for the first two games. Uh, so you had basically kind of a free-for-all for the quarterback. We didn't know who was going to start a quarterback that opening game against Gardner-Webb, right, in the season opener? Yeah, it felt like for a time it was names out of a hat as to who not only was going to be able to play each week, but who was going to be able to practice. And I can remember clear as day, Amari Jones was the transfer from Tulane, and mm-hmm. people were raving about his versatility. We came up with the nickname Swiss Amari Knife, and it was yeah. apropos last year because he played five different positions. But it got to a point in camp where he switched out his white jersey for a gold jersey, and I was up here with Colin Lacey here in our booth, and we looked and. Mars wearing a gold jersey. And we know he played quarterback a little bit in high school. That's where he had suffered his first major leg injury. Ironically, it was at AT&T Stadium, home of the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. But to see him take the snaps against Gardner-Webb, I mean, you could tell he was going to be limited throwing the football. He could do it a little bit, but he was going to be limited relative to what a Division One quarterback is going to be asked to do. But was good enough to eke out a victory against Gardner-Webb. The next week, it was Cam Ransom to do it. And then you've got Sam Kenderson playing a little bit. Yeah. And then you've got to get even more creative at the end of the season when injuries ravage the position. Here comes Connor Sigelski. Ultimately, yeah. five different guys end up taking snaps last year. But to go into this season, even though there's seven quarterbacks on the roster, nobody doubts that it is Kyle Van Treese's team. He is is as impressive of a guy as I've ever covered off the field 
watching him on the field. It's nice to see him run an offense where it's really his because at Buffalo, they were largely power run, even though they would tell you that they were RPO based. But to watch him be a leader on this offense and somebody that people truly look to gets a chance to show off that arm that I think he's been waiting for. And I think that that was what made Georgia Southern so attractive for him. Yeah. I think there's a lot, I guess you could say peace of mind. As long as everybody stays healthy, we won't, we don't want to bring that monster of, 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 of injuries, but as long as everybody stays healthy, healthy, there's kind of peace of mind in knowing you can hand the keys to Kyle Van Trees. He can handle. He's got the maturity, like you mentioned. He's just very impression. Uh, makes a great impression. Very, um, very uh, guy that's put together that knows what's going on. He's seen it all. This is, I think, what was his first uh, semester of college football was his senior year of high school, where he enrolled early at Buffalo. So it was like January 2017, maybe 2016, 2017. For him to have started 26 games at Buffalo, nearly 5,000 yards passing, you can't just ask somebody to have those stats. They have to be in position to earn those stats. Mm -hmm. He actually lost his starting job a couple of years ago in part because of injury, earns it back. He punted a little bit. Yeah. He didn't miss the final two games of last season due to injury. But since coming down here, people have raved about him, not just commanding that offense but the way he speaks if you've had a chance to see him I mean you've interviewed him a couple of times yes. but just to see him speak to media the way he conducts himself the confidence this, that he speaks with you can tell he was incredibly well raised part of the recruitment process was how much it seemed like his mother and father were being recruited that's right southern not just van trees to be able to run this this new look offense and once he realized how much his parents loved the situation, how right that felt. It made his decision that much easier. But with the weapons that are around him and the ability that he is going to have to truly run this offense, I'm as excited for him as maybe anybody on this entire roster. Yeah, I, I almost wonder the way that uh, that Kyle talked about his parents falling in love with Statesboro and the campus when they visited and, and the, the coaches talking about how they really hit it off with the Vantrese uh, parents. I almost wonder if they had to talk Kyle into it. Like, you got to pick this place. Like, he didn't have to convince his parents of anything. It was like the dynamic was totally flipped the other direction. But, yeah, he was sold as well. And uh, going from uh, an Ohio native, going from Buffalo to uh, southeast Georgia, climate-wise, not a bad trade-off. Oh, he's he's talked about that a number of times. I'd have to worry about how many layers he's got to wear coming out of his house or apartment and going to class or practice. But getting down here where most of the time the weather is pretty advantageous. Granted, this time of the year it rains almost every afternoon and you might get a little bit of chill. But for the most part, you can leave the long sleeves and the coats in the closet and you can simply enjoy a really nice climate down here and hopefully the climate on the field. Steve's Georgia Southern bounce back after what was a really tough 21 season. Yeah. So looking at the quarterback situation, a uh, different dynamic than last season. Last season, we didn't know there was five different players under center over the course of the season. You had injuries, suspensions, uh, poor, poor to middling play. Uh, you had guys having to, to play uh, whether or not they had a lot of experience. In fact, almost nobody had experience at quarterback. So strangely, that's almost true here. Connor Sigelski is the only quarterback on the roster, not, player on the roster, but quarterback on the roster to have played quarterback for the Eagles. Sam Kenderson being your trivia answer on that. Uh, but um, now a wide receiver and Quincy Bonner now a defensive back, although he didn't get in a game last year at quarterback. But uh, after Van Treese, you mentioned we have a, a, a roll call of apparently talented guys that were really good in high school that were, uh, you know, in situations at colleges where, where maybe they, they were going to have to wait to play 
uh, talking about um, uh, uh, Fitz, Fitzgerald, Colton Fitzgerald at Boise and and Kyle Toole at Troy. Maybe their situations weren't like you can really compete right away. I don't know. But uh, it seems like there's a lot of guys with the belief that they're going to play quarterback for Georgia Southern someday. If not this season, then certainly 2023 is looking wide open once Kyle Vantrese, uh uses up his eligibility. So you got a, you got a lot of quarterback candidates there that maybe there's a peace of mind there that we've got that depth that we didn't have a year ago. See, usually if you're a Georgia Southern quarterback, you're ready for how many carries you're going to have, how, <laughs> how well you time your option pitches, and how many touchdowns you're going to be able to score. And we got spoiled for four years watching shy words get into the Georgia mm. Southern record books in a number of different categories. But a year ago, you had to think that it was going to be challenging to equal that, if not just keep your head above water. And then when, unfortunately, Justin Tomlin missed the first two games of the season, it, it really was a mismatch. And if you would have told me that Connor Sigelski would have seen the field last year, much less start two games, and one mm -hmm. of those being here against number 14 BYU, right. I thought you were nuts. I mean, he had the ability at Marist. He had great numbers in Marist, but he was just so far down the Jeff chart. And remember, he had off-season surgery. Right. He, he missed a lot of the spring that year. Yeah, he had lat surgery, and he wasn't even really active until uh, late September, early October. But once it became necessity that somebody that was a quarterback could play quarterback, he starts against BYU, he starts against that state. But now, of course, with the new system, more of a balanced system, spreading things out more and trying to emphasize that pass. Now, if you're a quarterback, you're thinking, okay, who's next in line behind Van Treese and Vince Gerald? And Sigelski have shared the reps mm -hmm. at number two and number three. Those would be the first couple of options. I wouldn't say that there's one ahead of the other at this point because it seems that it might be a couple of days of Connor. It might be a couple of days of Colton. And then behind them, you've got an older guy, Richie Langford, who's coming in from the College of San Mateo. Kyle Toole, who you mentioned out of Troy, who was in contention to start for Troy going into the start of the 21 season. But he got hurt in spring practice. And then they got Taylor Powell, who transferred in from Missouri. He battled it out with Gunnar Watson, and it just looked like Tool wasn't going to get mm -hmm. a chance there. And even freshman-wise, Zach Roseman out of just north of Atlanta has has seen his spots in camp to do a little bit here and there. And somebody we haven't seen yet because of injury is David Dallas. Right. And a lot is being expected of him. Played for his dad. Of course, he played with his brother, Trinity Christian, one of the top programs in the state. And both of them at one mm -hmm. point were can were committed to Western Michigan, but all it took was a little bit of that Coach Helton magic to keep them <laughs> going to Kalamazoo and keep them in yeah, the state of Georgia. Wide receiver Josh Giles. By the way, we're talking with Danny Reed. You know him by voice. You know him by knowledge, certainly. Danny Reed is the voice of the Eagles. Uh, Danny goes back uh, only, only a few years with the, the Georgia Southern, but he goes uh, pretty far back in terms of following sports. And you follow Georgia Southern, and you know the history of Georgia Southern as well as uh, anybody. And you, uh, you've been delighting us with your interviews with Roger Inman talking about the, the the old days of Georgia Southern, maybe not that long ago for us. But uh, I want to ask Danny after we take a, a, a commercial break here about what he thinks for this season coming up in terms of the big picture, in terms of long term success, building a program and what we can expect that first year. And so I'm going to bring Danny. But right now, I want to plug the best source for local news in Savannah, the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. You want to know the latest on Georgia Southern football? Well, if you can't have Danny in your living room, or me maybe, you can read us online or in the paper. Uh, high school football is just kicking off tonight, Thursday, as we speak. Uh, there'll be some games, and Friday, every, uh, most everybody will be playing. Uh, Dennis Knight is the coverage there. We'll also cover Savannah State. They're coming off of 
a very good year of eight and two, but they have a brand new coaching staff. There in Kelton rhymes with Helton. So you got Clay Helton, first year at Georgia Southern, Aaron Kelton, first year at Savannah State. It's not a nightmare for a broadcaster like you, Danny, but for a print journalist, mistakes can happen. Well, K and H are fairly close to each other on the keyboard, too. <laughs> That's they're they're darn close, just one with Jay in the middle there. <laughs> uh, and then of course we've got other sports going on. The Savannah Bananas are back in action on uh, the banana ball team uh, on Friday and Saturday this weekend. And you've got the hockey, pro hockey coming. And they're making news on a weekly basis, soon on a daily basis. So we got all that plus news, features, and opinion columns. If you're on a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. You can get full access to our digital content. Right now, I believe this special is $1 for six months. That's $1 for six months, not $6 for six months or $6 for one month. So check out what the latest uh, um, price is of what the specials are and go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up uh, go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now check out what different packages are available and give us a try thanks very much and now we're going to get get back to danny reed the voice of the eagles talking about all things georgia southern football and uh it is august and there's still a couple weeks away as we tape this but uh, danny's been uh, diligent about researching everybody and everything he could probably name every player on the roster including middle names Maybe not middle names, but certainly hometowns. Well, all the ones from Maryland, he's going to know. So <laughs> there are there are very many. <laughs> so, uh, Danny, before we give uh, we move on from the offense, I do want to talk about maybe the happiest players on the team, and that is the wide receivers. Uh, is there a, a position group that's happier right now than the wide receivers compared to previous seasons? As happy, maybe, but I don't think there's any that are happier than wide receivers. Yeah. There's, and and there, why there would was, that be? Why would that be for those uninitiated out there? Well, considering that I don't really think anybody on offense, because as fast as this team is going to plan on going, you've got to think more plays, more yards, more points. And Georgia Southern scored just 20 points per game last year, and granted different system, different scheme, and what have you. But I would think that anybody on offense would be pretty thrilled about this because if things go the way that they plan and they can execute their plan, this should be an eruption of points and yards in a manner of speaking. That doesn't mean they're going to go out and have 700 yards and 50 points per game. I'm not saying that. But relative to last year, if things go the way that they're looking for them to go, there should be a lot of improvement all across the board, especially especially in the passing game. I think the, the word neglected applied to the wide receivers most most seasons. Uh, you mentioned that you have a, a, a run-heavy offense. Uh, the quarterback runs a lot, uh, doesn't throw that much, and when he does throw, maybe he's not the best thrower out there, not a best pure thrower. So you, if you're a wide receiver at Georgia Southern past years, you're not thinking about becoming all Sunbelt Conference. You're probably not thinking you have much of a shot at a pro career, to be honest, but you're thinking you're going to do a lot of blocking and then when you do get a target, maybe it's uh, you know, a big play. It's a good chunk play. And that's and, the thing. Receivers are always asked to use their hands at Georgia Southern, except now instead of getting <laughs> on a jersey, now it's, oh, this football is coming at me. I need to catch this and pick oh, up man. a first down or score a touchdown. So it might be a little bit different there. But there, there's been talent here with Amari Jones, who we already talked about, having to play so many positions, Caleb Hood, and then behind them Sam Henderson and Darius Lewis, who's having a really good camp. He's been, he's been playing in the slot. There's a number of options you could use in the mm -hmm. slot. 
Jeremy Singleton, the Houston transfer, played both inside and outside during his time as a Cougar. So I think that there's some flexibility on the outside. Derwin Bird just continues to improve. I think he could have a really good season in this offense. And we've already talked about Marcus Sanders, somebody who's not built like a freshman and somebody who had a 54-yard touchdown in the scrimmage last week. And you can't really account for what guys are going to look like on the field. And I mean that when you recruit somebody personally, you're in their living room, you're talking to their family to think, okay, he projects himself pretty well. But when the pads go on, the helmet goes on, guys have a presence. Certain people take the field. You see their measurables. You see them run. But guys have a presence. Hmm. Marcus Sanders, to me, has a presence. And I think that once he is asked to do more in this offense, that the sky is the limit for him. Yeah. Um, well, you talk about a Brian Ellis offense, a Clay Helton offense. Certainly, it's it's something new that uh, we hadn't really seen at Georgia Southern maybe ever. You talk about the up-tempo, more plays, uh, just spreading the ball around. Uh, you don't get guys to transfer into Georgia Southern unless they see something in the offense that they like. And Jeremy Singleton liked that offense. He picked Georgia Southern out of out of various options. Um, you have guys like uh, well, you got you have guys back like Bo Johnson, the tight end, and other tight ends came in, and you're like, we know we, these guys aren't just going to block. These guys are not just going to make one play every three games. Um, what was and, it? Uh, Jeremy Singleton had more touchdowns at at uh, Houston than all the receivers and tight ends combined, or as many five as all the receivers and tight ends combined for Georgia Southern last year. Well, you got to think that Bo Johnson had a touchdown in three straight games last year, and Eagle hadn't done that since 08, but there was only one receiver that had a touchdown all last year, and that was a Derwin Burgess jump ball against Texas State from Cam Ransom, where he was pretty much in triple coverage at the goal line. It's one of the top plays of last year, and Derwin ended up having a great game. I think it was the ninth-best receiving game in Georgia Southern history. So as we peel back the layers, we understood why Kevin Whitley was so high on him when he recruited him out of Riverdale. We could watch him in practice. He would do stuff here and there. But yeah. when you're running the ball 50 times per game, your your chances to do that are few and far between. But in our conversation with Doug Roos, and it's just unfortunate that it worked out this way, the Eagles weren't good at running the option. They couldn't get into what they wanted to be. So it became a lot more RPO-based. Definitely a lot more passing. Didn't throw that many passes. I think the last time was the 2009 season, which would have been the last time Chris Hatcher was here. But Burgess was a beneficiary of that. Bo Johnson was a beneficiary of that. Now knowing that you can expect the ball to be thrown somewhere between 25 and 30 times per game. These are not guys that need to maximize every single time that the ball is thrown to them because it's only 10 to 15. They can look at it as... I get a chance to show what I can really do because now I know the ball is going to be coming my way a little bit more mm. with all these three, four, five wide sets. You might not see the tight end that much, but there's talent there with Bo. And when Ethan mm. Durham comes back from injury, the Mercer transfer, I think he's somebody that can really add a punch to the offense. But these are guys that are waiting for a chance to do more than simply one or two times a game where they could be a home run hitter. They're ready for five or ten times a game where they can get mm. the intermediate, maybe some deep, and then let the defense come up and respect that, and then they can beat them even more deep for for important touchdowns. There's, uh, I think we're going to need two parts with this interview because uh, we 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 haven't even talked about the line, offensive line, or the defense yet. But I, I there's some. Ex- I was thinking back to when Kyle Vantrese, uh ran the the spring football game, and he found Amari Jones more often than not. He seemed to have a favorite uh, connection with him, and then uh, Duran Burgess and Vantree seemed to be a thing. Uh, coming off the last scrimmage, it's almost excitement, like anticipating, well, who's going to be the next uh, 
combo there? Is it going to be, um, you mentioned Marcus Sanders or, or, or Darius Lewis or, or um, lots of different guys um, could come, could, could, could rise per game. And it's not like if you shut down this combination, you're going to shut down the offense, but so many guys talk about at a position that we really didn't need to spend that much time on in past years. Uh, the offensive line uh, had a lot of guys back. Brian Miller has uh, got a hand injury right now. As we speak, they anticipate him coming back for the first game at the earliest, uh, obviously would be the first game. But if they, if he sat out the Morgan State game, I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked. But um, uh, th- what do you think, just your take on the offensive line? Um, bunch, a bunch of guys back. Maybe it's time for some new guys to step up. Yeah, I know that Coach Held has said the offensive line and the receiver group are the two biggest improved groups since he got there. And I, I would say that the re- receivers would be just under the offensive line because the transformation that they've made with Richard Owens, who mm-hmm. a number of people would tell you, not just one of the best O-line coaches in G5, but maybe one of the top O-line coaches in this country, the the strides that that group has made. And in the case of Brian Miller, it's unfortunate what happened to him. Hopefully he's back from Morgan State, but if it's not – Maybe Nebraska. It wouldn't be too much longer after that. He's, you know, he's got the cast on for anybody that has been mm-hmm. at the scrimmages, and they'll see it on Saturday in Savannah, his hometown. <laughs> yeah, had a chance to play them yeah. at, uh, at Memorial Day. But for this offensive line, Danny Corbett has stepped in since he went out. The grad transfer out of Campbell, somebody that played a little bit of tackle at Campbell, but outside of that, he had played guard. He was recruited to Georgia Southern before he went to community college right out of high school from Lake Park. He was recruited by Georgia Southern and former O-line coach Alan Mogert, who then he got to play for at FIU for the year that he was there, even though he redshirted, but it was still part of his position group. So that's somebody that could fill in at guard or tackle. Rasheed Miller is somebody that is mm-hmm. you can't miss him because he's six feet seven and nearly 300 pounds. And he's like NFL-size lineman. All the, all the makeup in the world, but finally getting a chance to show that ability. He's going to be protecting that blind side. In the middle, you've got an all-conference guy in Khalil Crowder, somebody I think is going to be all-conference this year, and Logan Langmire getting the COVID year so he can start for a third year at center. And then at right tackle, somebody that holds the distinction of being the only lineman in Eagle football history to start at all five positions in Caleb Kelly. And then behind them, Brian Ellis has said that, look, we could go 10 or 11 deep with our own line. And with this pace that they're going to operate with, Mm. you're going to need that. But then it will be up to Owens and the rest of the coaching staff to figure out how they get filtered in. But I'm I'm really impressed with this offensive line. It feels like they've got their their mentality of nastiness back and just being so much more physical at the point of attack. I I know Richard Owens played in the NFL, but can you explain why he wears long pants every day at practice? Does anybody else do that? I don't do that. You don't do that. Is he, have you seen him not in shorts? I know that he owns shorts, but I think that that's just personal preference. I don't. I don't want to get into any maybe personal information there. But if he if he insists on being out there in the heat, then again, Coach Aaron Schwanz was in a sweatshirt the other day. On, on yeah, but if you think about these conditions with the gnats floating around, you yeah. don't want your legs getting eaten up. And look, Coach Owens has been at UAB, so he understands what it's like to be in this part of the country. Coached at South Alabama when Georgia Southern was in its early stages of coming into the Sun Belt Conference, but. Maybe it's his personal preference. Maybe it's the Nats. Who knows? Because for somebody that's never been here, the Nats are definitely something that takes a little yeah, while. When, when they like when you're when they're sweet on you, it is miserable. Uh, I can tell you. Let's move on to the defense. I don't want to take up your whole day, but we could. The I asked Coach Helton about the defense on Monday, just as a general statement. Oh, we're going to run out in ten minutes, um, so we're going to run out of time here. Um, the um, 
he talked about the the veteran crew, the experience that so Justin Ellis, Dylan Springer, Todd Bradley Glenn, who my running joke is I when I talk to a new assistant coach is what is it like to coach a kid who's older than you are? Um, <laughs> so I don't know. They go, well, is that true? I go, well, you know, he's been here seven years. His first season was 2016. Yeah. Guys are guys long gone from the program uh, who were here in 2016. Um, but uh, just uh, in the time we have left, and I, it would be fun to talk about the special teams too, but uh, what do you think of the defense? We're, we're, we're talking about a defense that ranked near the bottom of FBS schools last year, gave up a lot of yards, gave up points. Uh, his defensive secondary, uh, it was no secret, went through a lot of injuries. You lose Derek Canteen early in the second game of the season. That's a big void. Uh, a lot of younger guys had to come up. Uh, the guys that were playing, Daryl Baker Jr., was he was probably hurt all year long. Um, what uh, what do you think of the marked improvement that is going to be required from a team that ranked near the bottom of 130-some schools to try to get up more in the top 50 range, let's say, top 175? Yeah, there was a number of categories where it was the worst season in the history of Georgia Southern football with total defense, with pass defense, and also they only forced nine turnovers last year, not right. one in the first four games, and they got the four in the victory over Arkansas State. Nine forced turnovers was the fewest mm -hmm. in program history. But to get Derek Canteen back, that's found money, and he only played 10 snaps in that FIU game before tearing his pectoral, but he basically served as a student coach for the rest of the season. Those guys really respect him. He's been teaming up with Seth Robertson as part of the one tandem at cornerback at safety. Anthony Wilson looks like he's put on a lot of good weight, somebody who's been honorable mention each of the last two years. Justin Birdsong brings back a fifth-year guy who can play safety or corner, maybe the smartest mm -hmm. guy on the entire defense. Waylon Free has been really impressive at safety. He can yep. play dime or nickel, the transfer from Fresno. He had the big hit in the early part of the scrimmage, which kept Caleb Hood for coming up with a reception. Jalen Denton is somebody that we've talked to from Ole Miss. He has been sharing time with Tyler Bride, and that one nickel spot can also play dime. And something that Will Harris has done with the secondary, these guys cross-train. So if you're a safety, you learn nickel, you learn dime, you learn mm -hmm. corner. Some will play just one or the other, what have you. But there are a number of guys that do cross-train in the event that somebody would have to move quickly. And when you base out of a nickel, which automatically means five defensive backs, you're going to need multiple guys that can play multiple spots. Now, inside linebacker depth, it's a little bit short, but – you do have guys that were here last year. Kadri Jackson missed a lot of time because of a knee injury. He's looked really Five good. Games. Todd Bradley Glenn, somebody that's had way too much adversity <laughs> in his life. He deserves sure. to have a great seventh year. Could come back for the eighth year. Oh, you keep saying that. It. Don't jinx Could it. Come, no, but he's got one more year after okay. this year. So well, he's looked he, really good If he so wants far. to play on the same squad as his children, then he could keep coming back. That's up to if him. If he had children. Then. That's up to him. He, he is in great shape. And the thing that I've noticed about the defensive line, you mentioned about Justin Ellis and Dylan Springer, guys that are playing like it's their final season. They've been really physical. Their leadership has been outstanding, bookending what we've seen on the inside. Christian Varner's been in and out of the lineup as well as Parker Devine. But stepping in, a local guy in Trayvon Locke who played at Benedictine right. and somebody like LJ McLeod who was in the mix last year on the scout team. They're ready to do more. Kieran Smith out of Fitzgerald is ready to do more. There, there are a lot of guys that they can play, but once we get to a point of game week and full preparation for Morgan State, they'll, of course, thin out that depth chart and see exactly who can do what. But I don't know that a lot of people expect much out of a defense that's being led by a first-year coordinator, but a lot like the offense, I think that that unit is going to be much better than people anticipate. Okay. We, I know we have to wrap it up. I have a big question though. You probably need a, a, a thesis to, to answer it, but 
when <laughs> when a when a guy when a team has new everything coming off a three and nine year and almost everybody's new. Kevin Whitley is the only one back uh, as assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach, but new head coach coordinators, position coaches, a lot of new players, a lot of key transfers. I, I asked Coach Helton, what's fair for people to judge? Is there any kind of honeymoon period? Is there any way to say the first season is kind of a reload, uh, rebuilding? And he said, no, there's pressure from the first minute of the first game to uh, to do the job, and that's the way it is. If you didn't want it, don't take the job as head coach. Well, we'd like to be a little more forgiving than, than some people maybe and say, hey, the first year is the first year. You're playing a monster of a schedule. After the first week, you got a new and improved division in the conference, a new an, an approved conference. What's a fair way to look at, uh, and you can bring up wins and losses, but what's a fair way to look at this first season? It's going to look different no matter what lens you see it through. It just has to look better. And with some of the numbers from last year, it can't help but get better. With some of those defensive yeah. numbers, I would have to think that those would automatically at least get a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But what Eagle Nation wants to see is just improvement, seeing that this culture is being embodied. If it looks different, I know there's going to be resistance because few people that have strayed from the option have had success here. But I think that they've gone about it the right way. Jared was really forthright about Jared his intentions. He got Coach held with four weeks left in the season. They've gone through this modernization of a ticket plan, modernization of Paulson Stadium, and you're adding an indoor practice facility out in the tailgate lot, but they've done it in the right way. They're emphasizing why change is necessary, not saying this is wrong, this is right. They're saying how it can be better, how Georgia Southern can get up to speed and not lose too much ground with what App has done, Louisiana has done, Coastal has done, and I don't think it's going to be very long before we put James Madison in that discussion. I think they've got way sure. too much money and really good facilities. They're going to be one of the better programs in this league. Winning program, really yeah. good. Southern Miss is going to not be down for very long. And I think a Texas State of South Alabama, they're going to find their way back. It's just a matter of time before every week is like a heavyweight fight. But to go about this the right way, which I believe that they are, do what you need to do against Morgan State. Handle the rest of the schedule for your next six are on the road, but then for your final six are at Paulson Stadium. Find a way to improve each week, but let fans understand that you're doing things for the right reasons, but they've told them that they're trying to improve, but it's not from the framework that this was wrong, this is not necessarily outdated, but this is how we can do it better and put Georgia Southern in the same class as some of the top G5 programs like a Boise State, a Cincinnati, and a Houston. Danny, well wrapped up. Uh, I think uh, you, you put it beautifully, and you, we're still within time. We're, we didn't get to the special teams. That, that'll be left for you and Colin on your podcast next Monday. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but I there's such a uh, there's even a great thing, a kicker. And, and of course, the, the to me, the punter, um, Anthony Beck II, was the, maybe the best player on the team last season in terms of performance. Uh, you, you, you may make that argument. CJ Wright uh, was maybe up there, um, but in terms of bailing the team out, uh, Anthony back a lot of occasions. Um, we got to go. Um, thanks again for being a guest. I could no bring problem. you back every week, but I think you got a lot of commitments over there in Statesboro. Uh, and uh, best of luck to you. And I hope you have uh, some some. Yeah, you're not that the wide receivers are happy, but you're happy too this season. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank can you. you be happier than a wide receiver? That's kind of the T-shirt, I guess. I'll let you know in a couple of weeks. Yeah, smarter than a third grader or happier than a wide receiver. There's there certain, it kind of rolls off the tongue. You can you can use that. Happier than wide receiver, Georgia Southern. Um, 
Okay. Well, for everybody listening, thanks very much. This is our first episode of the new season. Uh, we got more to talk about. I wanted to talk to Danny about his favorite Clay Helton stories. They were on the Eagle tour this spring, and I'm sure there's some good uh, Clay Helton stories to talk about. Uh, just the man himself, just the, how personable and um, just uh, just some nice uh, man of the people kind of stuff. But we'll get to that another time. Uh, Danny Reed, thanks very much from Georgia Southern University, the voice of the Eagles. And um, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll, we'll see you next time on Georgia Southern Next. Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings on the way.